Section D. St. Augustine, 354-430. to The celebrated Bishop of Hippo explains the relations of faith and reason in great depth. It is not easy to know how both to distinguish them and to unite them, without either separating them or confusing them. St. Augustine did this very well. For him, reason is used by faith in order to develop what one believes. Therefore, reason should not be despised. In fact, faith needs it in order to develop itself. In his philosophical formation, before his conversion to the Christian faith, he came under the influence mainly of Neoplatonism, specifically of Plotinus, whose deeply God-centered philosophy helped him to find his way to the faith. Augustine's quest was for happiness, and he finally found the answer in God. For him, philosophy is the road to God. The true philosopher is one who loves God. Verus philosophus est amator dei. What is the meaning and purpose of the world around us? To lead us to God. Only the Christian can be completely happy because he possesses the supreme good, and that is philosophy. The means to reach that happiness is to possess the truth, which is found in its entirety only in Christianity. Reason by itself can discover all the natural truths about God and man, but with our faith we have the best way to know them. That is why he says that if someone does not know God, it is his own fault. The reason for ignorance about God is to be found in the evil passions of man and the will that goes astray. He uses arguments from reason to prove that God exists and that he is the unchanging essence. What the sun is for the universe, God is for us, our light and our teacher. The things of the world, changeable as they are, show that they have been created by God, out of nothing. Because, for St. Augustine, the fact that they are changeable indicates an element of nothingness, since for him, to be is to be always the same. This is a very Platonic idea, which St. Thomas would correct, or rather improve, by calling God not an unchanging essence, but the subsistent to be itself, ipsum esse subsistence. St. Augustine also maintains that the ideas of all that exist are in God, that God has somehow sown these ideas in the world of matter as the seeds of all things, this is a Stoic doctrine accepted by St. Augustine, which shows that he did not know Aristotle, i.e. the hylomorphic doctrine. It is characteristic of St. Augustine that his teaching is profound but incomplete, and this gives an idea of Christian philosophy in its process of formation. As for man, he is also influenced by Platonic ideas. He cannot explain very well how the soul is united to the body, as he did not know the Aristotelian doctrine of the soul as the substantial form of the body, see previous chapter. For him, following Plato, man is rather a soul using a body, although he did admit that the body is part of man. Likewise, he could not explain very well the nature of sense perception. Plato had said, as we saw, that sensible things do not really exist, but are only an imitation of the ideas. Reality doesn't change, but sensible things change. 
therefore they are not real. And St. Augustine's tendency is to think in this way too. According to him, our sense knowledge is not to be put on the same level as our knowledge of ideas. There is a sharp division between the sensible and the intelligible worlds. St. Thomas would also correct this Platonic tendency. Without confusion, there is union and continuity of senses and intelligence, as of body and soul. See chapter 26, section B, and chapter 27, section F. All the above explains why some Christian philosophers who have followed St. Augustine more than St. Thomas have fallen into error and even heresy. Not because there are errors or heresies in St. Augustine, but because his doctrines contains more unsettled or obscure points which, without the clarification of St. Thomas, could lead to misunderstandings. This is why the Church insists that we should study St. Thomas above all. The other Christian teachers are also very good, but the angelic doctor is the universal teacher, Dr. Communis. If we follow him, the Church guarantees that we will not go astray. Armed with St. Thomas, so to speak, we can also study the other Christian teachers without the danger of misunderstanding them. See the encyclical Aeterni Patris, mentioned in the foreword and in chapter 4, section C. Regarding the topic of evil, St. Augustine is particularly profound. Before his conversion, he had been under the influence of the Manichees, who believe that evil exists by itself as a substance, when in fact it can only exist as an accident, i.e. in something, as an absence of a good that is due, as a deficiency of being that should be there. See chapter 19, section G, and chapter 35, section D. He came to this conclusion aided by St. Ambrose's remark that evil is the privation of good. The only real evil for St. Augustine is sin, which is caused by the free will of rational beings. See chapter 39, section C. The human will is good in itself, but it can turn to evil by turning away from the last end and thus fall into disorder. See chapter 35, section E. Man, therefore, needs divine grace to put his will right and to fulfill the law of God. St. Augustine is perhaps above all renowned for his book, The City of God, where he says that love made two cities, since there are only two loves, the love of God reaching to the contempt of self and the love of self reaching to the contempt of God. These two cities, the city of God and the earthly city, subsist together until the end of time. St. Augustine became the greatest doctrinal authority in the church up to the time of St. Thomas. This is acknowledged by the latter, who lived eight centuries later, when he had to correct some points in St. Augustine's doctrine, he did it with extreme reverence and tact.